And where in my early recovery, I was stopping every two seconds to put a stone in my bag or put a stone in my pocket. I'm now just stopping just to look and just to see. And and I'm kind of taking in the fact that this isn't just a shore of pebbles. It's a shore of individual stones. You know what I mean? Completely individual, completely unique. No two like being exactly the same. And like you say, waiting for one to kind of jump out at me or speak to me. To me. Welcome to the Medicine Path Podcast. I'm your host, Brian James. On this episode, I speak with Sean Ald from Newcastle-on-Tyne about how his apprenticeship as a stoneworker was integral to his recovery from substance abuse and how it had the unexpected side effect of connecting him to soul, land, and the ancient folklore of his Anglo-Saxon ancestors. Sean's story is a perfect example of what I mean when I talk about how your medicine path is your own unique process of soul recovery, healing, and growth. It's a path that is laid out just for you. And if we listen to the prompts and urgings from our guiding spirit or daimon, it will lead us on our journey toward wholeness and reveal to us what is the medicine we have to offer the world. So it was a really lovely chat with Sean, and I hope that it inspires and encourages you to follow your medicine path. I'd like to have more conversations with regular folks like Sean, who may not be well known outside their local community. So if you know someone who has an inspiring story to tell, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Revealing the Soul or send an email to hello at brianjames.ca. If you'd like to join the conversation, support the podcast, and or participate in the Soul Studies program I've been curating, please head over to patreon.com forward slash medicine path and consider becoming a member of our growing community. It's the best way to support the podcast and connect with others who are walking their medicine path. If you'd like to explore working with me one-on-one, please check out my offerings at medicinepath.me. I offer individual soul care sessions, a soul recovery package, and a special program just for men based on Robert Moore's work on the four primary archetypes of mature masculinity. Okay, that's all for now. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Sean Ald on The Medicine Path. I'm here with uh, Sean Ald. Now, am I saying that right? A-U-L-D. Please give us your name and your beautiful accent. So it's, I would pronounce it Ald. So Ald. Do you know the, you know the New Year's song, Ald Lang Syne? Ah, I never made that connection. That's the one. Yeah. So uh, is that uh, Scottish origin or Irish? I think it's, well, there's, I think it's Scottish. Um 
Although I've not, I've never done one of those ancestry things as much as I'd love to. Uh, but I've had a kind of a bit of a kind of just Google search and whatnot on on the kind of names, family names, and things like that. Um, and it comes from, um, I think it's if my memory's right, I think it's Germanic Saxon, um, and it's the, the kind of oldest form of it that it stemmed from is a elder. Um, so A E L D A, I think. Um, and this is all off the top of my head, so don't trust it entirely. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was, I think the first kind of recording of it was in the Doomsday book back in like 1060, whenever. Um, the Doomsday book? Yeah, yeah, which is D O M E S A, I think, which was just kind of like an. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was a big recording of kind of all the kind of uh, names and whatnot um, in the UK at that time. Huh. Uh, I think it's I think it got called the Doomsday Book. I can't remember off the top. This is all off the top of my head. Like, so it can't be <laughs> I put you on the um, spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, so so it comes from a elder, I think. So which just means um, it's like literally just the elder. So it would have either been um two brothers or two a father and a son sharing the same first name and the surname the elder so one of them would have been called such and such the elder and then it just yeah yeah great and uh let people know like if you could just give them a sense of place like where where are you so i'm i'm based in newcastle upon tyne um which is in the northeast of england um in the uk uh and yeah so 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 based here been living here for the last 10 or so years um and before that grew up and was born in northumberland which is the kind of most northern county in england uh before you get to the scottish borders and into scotland Hmm. So will people listening who are from the UK recognize that you're a northerner by the way you talk? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they will. I, I, I remember a while ago for work, I was down uh, in Kent, which is like right down the bottom. Um, and I got asked what part of Scotland I'm from. So I think they, <laughs> <laughs> I think they're... Uh, They'll, they'll probably recognize, yeah, but they might mistake us for being a bit further up. Yeah, I could hear some of that Scottish in there. It's great. Mm. There's something, um, when I talk to people from your neck of the woods, which uh, some of my ancestors from that part of the world, uh, there's, it does something to my soul. Um, mm. When I listen to, you know, uh, English people, Scottish people, Irish people, I just... I get lost in it. There's something in me. It awakens like this yearning to like return home, <laughs> which is a total fantasy, I know, but it does something to me. And uh, I've even been reading um, a series of books by the author Tana French, and she uh, she writes these like mystery books that are based in Dublin. And the way that she writes, I can hear the accent in the way that she writes, and I just I love it. I love, something in my soul just kind of leaps with uh, joy and longing. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's great to hear you. Um, 
for people listening, okay, a little background. I found you on Instagram. I think you had started following me and uh, the name of your account jumped out at me. It was uh, the name of Stone. And uh, so I went and checked out your account and there's all these little pictures of uh, beautiful stones of all sizes, ones that you hold in your hand and ones that sit in front of uh, old buildings, uh, more monumental stones. And the thing that I was struck by was that uh, they weren't carved as much as they seemed to be just shaped, like uh, that very kind of organic flowing curves and surfaces, polished beautifully. And just looking at these photos, particularly the smaller ones that you hold in your hand, I just wanted to reach through the screen and and touch these stones. I mean, the surfaces were just so kind of enticing and gorgeous in their simplicity. Uh, I I don't know if I'd ever seen anything quite like it, uh, but there's something um, really tangible about my, the response I had to seeing your stones. And so I reached out to you and uh, we chatted a little bit and we recorded a conversation last year that got lost in the ether. Uh, but part of what I want to do with the podcast this year is to interview people who are just regular people who have uh, found some kind of creative outlet or art that has uh, fed their soul and helped them in some way. And, you know, not necessarily people who are interested in writing books or being teachers or anything like that, but just regular folks who have found their own medicine path. Um, so it's a pleasure to be able to talk to you again and give this another go. And it's probably been long enough that it'll just seem fresh to me anyway. So um, I wonder if you could just start by telling us how you got started working with stone. Yeah. Um, so I got started working with stone. Be coming up on five years ago now, four or five years ago. Um, I met and began to work with a local sculptor called Russ Coleman um, and worked with him on a, on a variety of different projects. Uh, um, he did a lot of con kind of construction stuff. Um, so I had, I had transferable skills anyway, which is why I started working with him, because before that and prior to that, in my early 20s and late teens, um, I had done an apprenticeship and worked offshore on the oil rigs in the North Sea, um, doing metalwork and welding and whatnot. Um, so I had some transferable skills and stuff and, 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 and I moved about a bit between uh, the time I met him about five years ago or so um, and my early, my early 20s. I'd moved around a bit and done a few different odd jobs here and there. Um, met this guy started working with him on a few projects. Um, and he, he had a mixture of this construction work and more industrial pointed work. And being a sculptor, he also had his artwork and whatnot. Um, and he was based out of a, a kind of builder's yard in an industrial estate nearby. Um, so, so I just started, started doing the odd job with him and, and then started kind of opening up a bit more I've always been creative since I was a kid. Um, I think all kids are creative anyway, but um, I was I was more creative leaning um, school schooling through high school and whatnot. All my kind of preferred interests and, and subjects were like art and design and animation and photography and 
all that kind of stuff. Um, always wanted to kind of pursue that in further education and higher education, but uh, because of the family that I'm from, uh, that was kind of not allowed. <laughs> um, was it practical? Yeah, yeah, wasn't wasn't kind of uh, working class enough. wasn't uh, wasn't kind of uh, yeah, wasn't masculine enough, manly enough. Um, now, did, did you hear that uh, like explicitly, or was it just kind of brushed off if you if you brought that probably, up? Probably not in as many words. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of uh, yeah, it was kind of just. I, I grew up in and um, to give that context, I grew up in a home that was. Uh, and there's there's no there's no blame here. There's a lot of there's a lot of accountability here, but there's no blame here. I've worked through all that. Um, but I grew up in a home that was physically, emotionally, and uh, psychologically uh, abusive and neglectful. Mm. Um, and I, I I'm, I've worked through that enough to recognise that that was just handed down sure. further further down the line. You know what I mean? It wasn't uh, wasn't necessarily anyone's fault. It was just they didn't have the accessibility to things that we have now and the kind of discourse that we can have now kind of. Yeah. Nobody uh, did therapy back then, especially in, yeah. you know, the kind of smaller towns that we're from. Yeah. It was, uh, you have a few drinks with the lads and you, you forget about it or you try to, right. And then uh, it comes exactly. up in some other way, usually with the kids or the spouse and yeah. yeah, it's just the way it was done. Yeah. I would come from working class too. And, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of had to do a lot of work around that myself and and just finding forgiveness and it helps if you look back and go, well, how did they grow up and what were their fathers like and it just goes down the line. So, yeah, I hear you. So, coming from that background, um like I say, I wanted to pursue it in further education. Didn't have access to that. Um so then that's when I bounced around a lot and and took a lot of different odd jobs here and there. Um Moved to Newcastle, met Russ, started working with him, uh, started to to kind of open up and and become a bit more aware of these creative, more more creative leaning projects that he was involved with, and uh, kind of got on board a lot with them and kind of kind of uh, made myself available for that a lot. So you're and just, just you're, you started out doing kind of typical construction masonry type work. Well, it was more, yeah, more kind, kind of a uh, cast concrete and uh, oh, really, really dull kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, polished, polished concrete work tops and things like that. They're all in trend and whatnot at the minute, and in, in kind of architecture and all that. So, there was a lot of it. <laughs> okay, but like off on the side, you see him doing. Um, so, his sculptural work was that uh, also working with stone or concrete. Yeah, a mixture of the two. Yeah, um, he was kind of um, he was a uh, trained in his younger years, uh, trained as a monumental mason. So he was he was really like real good at letter carving and kind of figurative and detail work. Um, what well, is good at that stuff? I'm speaking like uh, he's not allowed around him. Was um, he is good at that stuff and. Um, he then he then had a similar route and kind of went down the more kind of industrial const construction side of things in his younger years, and then uh, kind of came back around to his creativity and his art around the similar age that I did. Hmm. So you're um, there, you're there at the building site working with him on this poured concrete and all that. 
and you see what he's doing and you just kind of get curious about it and mm-hmm. sounds like you know just asking him about it little by little and yeah and just yeah it started like i say it started kind of uh becoming more and more interested finding myself becoming more and more interested and um and this was at a time as well and it met him at the perfect time as well because uh because of all of the past history with my family and my upbringing and whatnot and all the kind of ways and uh, ways I behaved and, and kind of roots I took in my uh, late teens, early 20s and whatnot. Uh, um, I had gotten myself into a bit of a kind of state as well around things like addiction to alcohol and drugs and, and whatnot. And, uh, and uh, this guy was sober um, and kind of was just the right kind of figure at the right time and the right person to ask us the right questions at the right time um engaged with us on that kind of creative level and uh just kind of just kind of modeled that there was another particular route that i could possibly venture down myself um yeah so well, I that's did, I did, let, I let me just that. yeah pause there for a sec because um you know growing up working class i've worked in factories and you know, had every kind of labor job you could think of over the years. Uh, and I would say that, man, it's it's very rare to come across a guy who works in the trades, who works with his hands, that, uh, first of all, is creative, like openly creative, and has a, a kind of art practice on the side. But then also somebody who's sober, because drinking and drugs go kind of hand in hand with that really which can be a really tough lifestyle, you know, and a lot of these guys grew up a bit rough. Um, and so finding someone who's working in that, who uh, is unique in that way, is obviously more sensitive and creative and has kind of gotten his, his shit together, you know, personally, uh, that's quite rare. Mm. So, well, this, this was the thing. So it was like, it was, it was all very new. Like you say, it wasn't, no, no, not, not just rare. It was just, completely new it was uh meet someone that I've, I've never really met anyone like that before and um and kind of yeah just spent the next few years kind of under under his wing um learning as much as i could from him um and yeah and and and, and kind of pursuing my own stuff and starting to kind of reconnect with my own creativity from my youth um and also starting my own journey sober um and that's kind of coming up on four years now that i'll be sober myself um and yeah so 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 to speak to that so um so last last year not not too not too long before we we did the first attempt at this um yeah, that, that that kind of that relationship all kind of ended. Um mm. and it was just it was just simply it, it, I think kind of it was ready, it was time for if if he if I use that analogy that I used before being under his wing, it was just simply time for me to leave the nest. And that's never usually uh tidily done, is it, in any relationship really. Mm. Yeah. Um but uh so, so since then, I've, I've kind of, I was in a bit of a rough place with it last year because there was some kind of things that 
happened through all that, which which were uncomfortable to move through and kind of not great. Um, and um, but I kind of that kind of taught me a lot about responsibility and accountability and whatnot, and owning what I what I needed to own and owning what was just mine to own. You know what I mean? Um, so we 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 kind of put that all to bed last year, and I've moved on from that space anyway. Um, and um, and we'll be forever great. We, we, I think I'd, I'd like to believe that at some point we can kind of uh, rekindle some kind of personal relationship. But I think it was all around business and stuff that that, that happened. The, the things that happened happened, and working working with people that you develop a kind of personal relationship with and friendship with, and the enmeshment stuff that can happen there. It's always messy. I've, I mean, it's happened in families and they say never work with family and things like that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because it always kind of happens. Um, so just just the typical stuff there. Um, but us both being the people that we are, I, I, I see no reason why in the future we can't kind of uh, reconcile with all of that. Um, but for mm-hmm. the time being, anyway, I've, I've kind of moved on and um, I'm just this week, actually, uh, moving into a new studio space. So I've been kind of off the tools and, and kind of hands off my making um, for a good while now. So I'm, I'm mm. full of excitement at the minute because I'm in the next week or so going to be back polishing stones and carving stones and working mm. with all kinds of ideas that I've been developing over the last few months. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you started, uh, sorry, what was his name? Is it Russ? Russ, yeah, yeah. Russ, when you started working with Russ, were you uh, learning by helping him out on his projects, like kind of learning his style and his method of shaping stone? Yeah. Um, I kind of cut my teeth on a couple of sculptures that he had on commission, a couple of big sculptures. Um, and he kind of showed us the process and showed us, taught us so much. I'll be for it. Like I say, whether or not we reconcile things, I will be forever grateful for like everything that he's taught us and uh, shown us, like just absolute sharing of knowledge and kind of uh, inspiration and whatnot. Um, and yeah, so, so so worked on a couple of projects kind of under his guidance and whatnot, and he told us like what to be looking out for and and all that kind of stuff and. Uh, kind of guided me hand making the sculpture and taught us how to use particular tools in particular ways and um which really kind of expanded my uh in understanding of the materials that I'd been working around and with for so long and not just the materials but the tools you know what I mean um so yeah so so kind of worked on hit on on a couple of his projects and then uh started to and then we did a big kind of collaborative project um which or the larger stones outside that big old building on uh, on my Instagram account, um, and then uh, and then kind of as, he, he kind of tends to work in quite a large scale, um, but then I, I I started like you say the smaller stones, the more handheld and tactile ones. Uh, I started to become really fascinated with that and that you could kind of keep them on your person so they could become a personal sculpture almost mm-hmm. um and at the time like i say going going through uh my own 
path and, and journey with sobriety and whatnot and reconnecting with my creativity. That was there was something about that which was like that was that was a real thread for me to pull on, you know what I mean? That was kind of that there was something in that, something quite magic in that. So what started out as um what started out as me just kind of taking what I learned, learned from him and starting to just apply it in a smaller way, you know what I mean? And, and kind of a way that I could just between jobs and between kind of duties and things like that, just, just play about with these little smaller stones. Um, and it got me out, it got me out walking a lot and exploring the, the coastline around here and the rivers and things like that. And um, looking for these smaller pebbles and looking for the odd ones out, you know what I mean? Um, there was, there was something in all of that and it, it, like I say in my early sobriety, it was kind of just a way of keeping my hands busy um, and giving myself that space to sit and think. Because at that time, because I, I, through my sobriety, I got into 12 step. Um, and at that time, sitting, meditating was a bit too much for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't sit with myself. I couldn't, I couldn't sit with myself in quiet and stillness. Um, but I found that working with this, these smaller stones in this particular way um, was was having a, what I imagine would be a similar effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I could just get into this complete flow state and um, just sit with these stones and just completely just switch off and, and zone out and just follow thoughts and follow threads and, and uh, not be too overwhelmed by any one thing or any collection of things I could it gave me time to sit and process these stones and process the thoughts as well. I could, um, I could kind of, uh, investigate things a lot easier mm-hmm. uh, and follow, follow tangents and follow threads, um, mm-hmm. rather than being presented with this kind of amorphous thought and then being like, Oh, like how, how do I sit with that? You know what I mean? And breathe. And I could just zone out and get into that real flow state. So it was really helpful. Yeah. Um, and and then through that, I've just started to apply what I've learned more and more and more, and kind of add my own little bits of nuance to it here and there, and try out my own things. And I've kind of developed my own style now. It's like um, kind of uh, we used to, to towards the end of us working together, uh, we used to talk a lot about how although we work in the same materials with the same tools, the results are entirely different. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. You can you can look at my work and look at Russ's work and they're completely separate. You know what I mean? You can notice the difference in them. Um, so, so yeah. So, and, and I've just kind of followed along with that um, started pursuing that. And, and through that um, kind of picking, picking my creativity back up and kind of exploring all that and reconnecting with that from my younger years and my youth. Um, I started to have things coming back to meet me from that space as well. So my interest in kind of folklore and stories and and, mm-hmm. and myth and, and and fantasy and fiction and all that kind of stuff um, all kind of came rushing to meet me at the time that I was uh, trying to reconnect with all that stuff. Yeah, it's funny how that happens. I just want to I want to stick with um, that connection between uh, working with the stone, kind of finding your own way with the stone and your recovery. So I think there's something like really important there that I was like a little thread I want to pull on. Um, so I hear you. Where does this idea that 
we should be able to sit down and quote unquote meditate. Where does that come from? I mean, is that present in the 12 step groups? Are they saying like you should meditate every day? So um, I'll probably get shot by people from 12 step here because I don't know exactly what number uh, step it is, but it's either it's one of the later steps, 10, 11 or 12. It's not 12 because that's I know what that is. It's 10 or 11. Um, there is a step which is um, sought through prayer and meditation, a closer con- contact with God or higher power or whatever you understand it to be. Um, so there is in the later steps, there's kind of a big emphasis on uh, kind of prayer and meditation and whatnot. Okay, um, like an active spiritual practice of some kind. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, depending on where you, I, I, I can't speak for all of 12 step groups in all of everywhere, you know what I mean? But in, in and it's, they're meant to be non-secular and, and non-denominational and whatnot um, and kind of welcoming and open for everyone. Um, my particular area being a very working class area, um, it's, it's something that I've found present in the 12 step groups here uh there's a lot of uh kind of catholicism and christianity that seems to have steeped it uh, seeped in um so that prayer and meditation looks like their version of prayer and meditation you know what i mean and if you're not doing that you're doing it wrong um, right so you could uh they could encourage you to do rosary prayer no i don't think i don't think that drastic but uh, i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> Um, Look, it's just um, it's just a rosary. It's not drastic, yeah, is it? Yeah. Well, I, well, I, th- I think I don't. When I say seeped in, I don't. I, I don't think I mean like seeped in entirely that much. But uh, but I, I think just kind of like there's there's a lot of like older fellas in the in the rooms, and if yeah. you're not doing your recovery in the way that they say recovery should be done, you're not doing yeah. it right. And uh, so me sitting there talking about my prayer and meditation in terms of making art and polishing rocks and things like that will probably get a lot of eye rolls. And at times when I've talked about it in that way, it has gotten a lot of eye rolls. Um, yeah, so, well, yeah. I, I mean, one of the reasons why I'm asking you about it is because I, I get it from a lot of people, actually. Uh, there's an idea that I think we just get from the culture uh at large that you should be meditating meditating is good for you you sit down and be quiet but the thing is in the yoga traditions that i learned in um it was never expected that you should be able to sit down and meditate to get the mind to be quiet it it was seen as uh something that you had to prepare the mind for you had to condition the mind for and so what we would do in our tradition is you start out with some movement and some breath work and that helps to relax the nervous system and the mind naturally becomes more uh, quiet peaceful Uh, but there's a whole set of exercises you do to bring the mind into that state in a really kind of i think gentle and compassionate way rather than expecting that you should be able to sit down and quiet the mind, which for most of us is a kind of torture. Mm-hmm. So I think you finding that uh, that kind of state of meditation through working with your hands, to me, makes perfect sense. 
and is just intuitively right on. Uh, so you're working with your hands in a way, letting the hands create these shapes and the mind is just in a, in a flow state and things are coming up. Uh, you're able to observe them. You're able to follow threads without getting uh, kind of tense or attached to any of the thoughts. Like I know that feeling and uh, it's the kind of thing that happens when I do my physical yoga practices. My mind is just flowing and the uh, images from dreams I had last night will pop into my head, you know, experiences from my past. It's kind of amazing. And to let it just flow like a kind of river and not get all uh, hung up on any one particular thing, but maybe something comes up that I want to follow up with later. I'll make a little kind of mental note of it. Um, but yeah, so I think like it, it's a beautiful practice this working with your hands and letting the mind just flow. Mm. Mm. And that's the, that's the thing for the, for the longest time as well, for, for like um, since last summer, um, I've been without that. So mm. it's been tough at times, to be honest. And I've, I've noticed the difference. I've had enough time now to notice the difference. And I've, I've kind of implemented other things and stuff to kind of uh, um, kind of patch that wound or whatever for 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 the or, or, or kind of span the gap. Yeah. Um, so so I've kind of uh, been taking care of myself in ways that I I had never done before. So things like yoga and stretching and things like that um, in in kind of the more more recent months. And. Uh, I can, I can kind of see what you what you mean by how 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 that would be the same and similar. You know what I mean? Because for me, that's been it's it's kind of opened up a lot of other stuff. Um, but there's still there's still that yearning to get back to the kind of polishing the stones and working with them and, and kind of uh, exploring new kind of avenues with them as well. And having the time away from it has been like has given us the time to sit and think about what I'm making and how I'm making it and Maybe if I tried this in this particular way, maybe I could kind of uh, broaden what I'm making as well. Um, still working in, in in the same kind of materials and with the same tools, but um, introducing new things as well. Um, and and it's a slow process anyway. Polishing the stones, even with power tools, I use power tools mainly. Um, it's a really slow process, but even. Because the because the stone's hard itself, you know what I mean. So even with power tools, the stone will set the speed. It'll, it, you can't just kind of uh, the, the type of stones I work in anyway, which tend to be quite hard stuff. Um, but then kind of considering like how can I slow it down even more, you know what mm. I mean. Uh, and I've always had a fascination um, with old hand tools and, and things like that. So. So when I get this new studio space, uh, I think I'll be exploring some of that as well, and kind of more traditional methods of working with stone and hand tools and whatnot, mm. um, as well as continuing the practice that I've got. You know what I mean? Right. So maybe something like a uh, like a, a pump, um, pedal pumped grinding stone, or, or tools like that, or hand tools. Something like that, but even even more so as well. Um, I do really fancy giving some hammer and chisel stuff a go, uh, mm. and getting some bigger blocks of stone. You know what I mean? And working with some bigger blocks of stone. Um, I'm kind of loath to to buy stone. I don't buy stone. I just find it. Um, so if I find the right stone, 
uh, that would work with hammer and chisel. Uh, that's that's when I'll be given that a go. Um, but again, it's kind of we would have to be at the right time and with the right materials and whatnot. Because um, mm. again, like I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to buy stone just to just to pursue that idea. Um, well, it would remove this whole part of it that I wanted to come back to that I think is uh, pretty integral to like stonework as soul work is the way way I'm thinking of it um, is what you said about uh, finding yourself being out in nature, looking around uh, at stones and seeing which ones call to you. There's something about that, like that uh, kind of interest in the natural environment in it maybe a different way where you're like scanning the environment waiting for one particular stone to call out to you is it something like that it's it is and it's it's kind of again just just like me kind of taking what i'd learned and developing my own style and, and kind of ways of working out of that and um, that's been a whole process in itself as well developing that kind of uh that practice of going out and actually finding the stones because when I first started doing this obviously I was in early recovery and uh, and like I say I, I really needed to keep my hands busy um, so I was going out there and I my behavior was very like was vastly different to what it is now um, back then it was it was quite kind of a uh, it was quite typical of a, of a modern Westerner, you know what I mean? It was, it was really rapacious, to be honest. I would go to these riverbanks and go to the coast and whatnot, and it was like uh, every two steps I'd be picking up a stone and putting it in my bag or picking up a stone and putting it in my pocket, you know what I mean? And, and kind of not really considering things, just kind of like picking up as many of the ones that interested us as possible and then hoping for the best and kind of bringing them back to the workyard and like, hoping that one of them would be the right shape or the right pattern or the right color. And, and you know what I mean? It was, it was kind of, uh, there was a lot of kind of, um, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, take, take, take. take yeah. Take, you know? That's what I was thinking. There's like a, a vibe of like acquisition, um, without the, like, so yeah, it's the difference there. I think what I'm hearing is the going out, just grabbing stones, taking them back, seeing what works, what doesn't, versus putting yourself in the environment and waiting for one to speak to you and or call to you in a way, which is a completely uh, different way of being and way of uh, interacting with, with the land. Um, one that is way more kind of animistic in a sense, you know? Yeah. Like that well, these stones have personalities or voices or one is calling to you to be worked with and maybe has something to teach you in that process. It's a completely different um, mindset. Yeah. And, and, and it, it, like you mentioned that word there, the animistic side of things. And uh, that's been something that in developing this relationship with stone. Um, so which touches on the whole reason why I originally um called the account the name of stone it's it's kind of uh i got inspired to call the account that through um as a fantasy author called patrick rothfuss and he's got oh, a fantastic yeah oh i love those books called the name of the wind yeah um, yeah right yeah. <laughs> so there's this old fantasy trope which actually comes from mythology and esotericism and occultism and whatnot which is um once you discover the, the 
once you've developed such a such a relationship with something to the point where you know its true name which is a primordial name it's it's not you naming the thing it's the thing naming itself and letting you know what its name is um it kind of having that connection with it you can then work with that thing in magical ways you know what i mean so that's kind of where i got mm -hmm. the creation for naming it naming the kind of account and whatnot um, you know i i heard something the other day that i thought was great it's related to what you're talking about um uh i forget the writer but somebody wrote once that a cat has three names the name that uh, we give it <laughs> um oh gosh what now I'm forgetting the, the second name. But the idea is that it has a secret name that when you see a cat staring off into like the middle distance, it's thinking about the name that it calls itself. And man, I thought that was just so great. But like you said, mm -hmm. there's the idea of the true name. Mm -hmm. So uh, so what like are you seeing that as like by working with the stone, maybe something of its true name is revealed to you? Well, the possibly but even just even just to develop that relationship to the point where like so 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 to speak that a little bit as best as best i can put it in words um when I, before i started working with stone if i was walking along a riverbed or a riverbank or walking along a coastline or whatever and there was a shoreline of pebbles they were all just pebbles just one blanket of gray you know what i mean um or brown or reddish hues whatever wherever i was um and i would just trudge along it and be in, more interested in whatever else was going along uh whoever i was with the conversation happened there whatever um or if i was by myself it was just me trudging along to get from here to be you know what i mean without thought on and kind of interest in what was around us um but now uh so, so so through developing this relationship and and and, and whatnot with stone um now i see that it, it's a nightmare walking with me along a, a stony beach or a pebble <laughs> beach if you're, if you're wanting to go for a kind of a brisk walk or get anywhere quick because i'm stopping every two seconds and where in my early recovery i was stopping every two seconds to put a stone in my bag or put a stone in my pocket i'm now just stopping just to look and just see and i'm I'm kind of taking in the fact that this isn't just a shore of pebbles. It's just it's a stone of it's a shore of individual stones. You know what I mean? Completely individual, completely unique. No two like being exactly the same. Um, and like you say, waiting for one to kind of jump out at me or speak to me. And even now, so so as that kind of as this kind of relationship has developed and matured. Even some of the ones that will jump out at us and speak to us, um, if I pick them up and I sit with them, because I don't put them in my bag or my pocket straight away. Now I sit with them and I'll turn them over and I'll sit with them and I'll maybe take some of the water nearby and wet them and see what they're like once they're wet and, and kind of really observe them and then not just kind of not just sit with that stone, but then kind of go back in my mind and, and whatnot and sit with all the stones that I've that I've taken um, and, and sit with those and think, is this one that kind of does want to be part of that or is it not? You know what I mean? Um, so sometimes I will pick a stone or, or whatever and it doesn't want to come with me, you know what I mean? And it has to be put back. Um, and 
uh, another time. So, so sometimes I walk away from the beach now with no stones, but I'll have appreciated about three or four each. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. just to sit with them and have the opportunity to see the sculpture in them. Um, because the, that's the the shapes that I get in all the stones. It's not it's not really my doing. I sit with the stones whilst I'm carving them, and I just I just exaggerate the planes and the curves and the edges that are already there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just me kind of facilitating what's already in the stone and facilitating them to be all polished and kind of uh, and, and and presented in the way that they want to be presented. Or, or, or yeah, in this, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I love but, that that uh, there are some stones that want to be taken from their kind of humdrum existence on the riverbed. There's some stones that want to be polished and and their more refined shape brought out of them. Like they want to be beautified or something. And they're the ones that call out to you and like, come on, take me home. I want, I want the polishing. And I just, I love that idea that there's, and some stones, you know, maybe once you pick them up, they're like, ooh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to go with you. You know, they have like second thoughts once you pick them up and it gets real. <laughs> then as well as if, if you kind of like, if you kind of humanize them in that way as well, it's like uh, just just like some of the kind of older, more kind of ascetic wise guys or whatever, you know what I mean? That they might, it might just be kind of that. They're just looking, they just jump out at me for long enough for me to pick them up and hold them on the beach or wherever I am. And then for us to just have that mutual recognition of like, I see the sculpture in, you know what I mean? And it's just like, well, that's enough for me. You can put me back down now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they just want to be picked up for a little while. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because my my kind of my kind of uh, dream is that when I'm old and grey and, and wrinkly, you know what I mean, and I'm arthritic and well past the point of being able to carve stones, you know what I mean? My dream would be that I, I could just walk down a beach and see a whole gallery of sculptures, you know what I mean, and not have to touch a single one and just be in complete appreciation and awe of all that. That's the kind of, that would be the end bliss for me, you know what I mean? That would be great. Yeah, you just take a stone as it is and put it on a plinth and say, it's beautiful just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, but then you wouldn't give them the opportunity of uh, being handled and polished by you. I mean, you don't, you don't want to... Um, deny them that gift you know i think some of them um, must must want it yeah and that's weird i mean that's way down the line when i'm no no longer be able to hold the tools you know what i mean but until then i'll, I'll kind of polish the ones that want to be polished and i mean even in that polished state um from the from the moment they're finished they can only get scratched and chipped and, and kind of marked again you know what i mean so they can only get roughed up again um and for that to happen, it's going to take years and years and years and years. You know what I mean? Uh, and- Gosh, imagine uh, there's one of your stones that finds its way back to the rubble pile or the riverbed. And in 100 years, 200 years, 300 years time, somebody else comes along and picks it up and has no idea that this stone has had this whole other life of being shaped and polished by this guy. Uh well, that's the thing. Sitting, sitting with the stone, like stone is a. I find so, that um, it's so eternal, any, like the stone, right? Like, yeah. Anyone that works with kind of works with the hands and works with materials, especially materials from the earth. Um, you, st- I, I feel like those people kind of tend to take on certain kind of characteristics and stuff. Um, 
and kind of particular ways of thinking and stuff. Um, and I don't know whether it's particular just to just to working with stone or whether it's got connotations with me being a Capricorn or whatever, you know what I mean? Or or any other kind of uh, thing you could attach it to. But there's something about working with stone, I feel like I mentioned it earlier, that it sets the pace. So it's, it really slows you down and it's really slowed me down and given me a lot of space. Mm. And not just that, it kind of has taught me ways of thinking, which I then apply to other parts of my life and other ways of my understanding things. Um, so with it being such a kind of like eternal thing, like you say, um, I, I tend not to kind of uh, think about things in the kind of in, in the immediate, you know what I mean? It's kind mm. of like uh, let, broaden let your me. sense of time. Yeah, yeah. Like so, uh, so. there's human time, which is like so sped up because we're here for 70 years or, you know, whatever. Mm. And then there's stone time, which is like mm. 70 years. Come on. You know, <laughs> but that's the thing. So, so I can, I can, I can sit here and I can say, like, for these, like, they'll be, they'll be polished and look like they do, and be stunning and beautiful and smooth and really tactile for 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 my life, definitely, and way, way beyond my life. Yeah. But in their life, it'll be a blink because they will end up back in some rubble pile at some point. And they'll be cracked and chipped and split apart and broken and the frost will get into them and burst them a bit. You know what I yeah. mean? So and they might end up underwater at some point <laughs> again, you know. Or I mean? they'll they'll end up in some uh, future archaeologists um you know uh, findings room, you know, like look at the shape of the stone. What did it mean to these primitive people? <laughs> and there you are just like kind of following the shape of the stone and what I love, like listening to you talk about working with the stone is like the the reciprocity that's happening. Like, you know, I, I don't think we humanize the stone. I, I think we can personify them because, mm. right? So they see them as persons with their own characteristics and things to teach us and all of that. So if we have that relationship and think, well, you know, the stone is calling out to me because it wants to be handled. It, it wants to be adored or, uh, you know, beautified and accentuated and all of this. But in doing so, you're serving that stone's desire. But the stone is also teaching you all of these great lessons like go slow. Let me set the pace. Um, you know, all these like kind of life lessons that you get from working with the stone, it, it's teaching you in its own way. And so there's this, I see it as an exchange. You know, the stone's getting something from you and you're getting something from the stone and you're both hopefully made more uh, polished and refined and beautiful through that interaction. Mm, well, definitely. And I mean, in the past as well, it's like um, in my younger years, I was, re I was really hot-headed and really kind of uh, reactionary, um <laughs> what a, a young man who's hot-headed in reaction i mean yeah, yeah, yeah me yeah. too <laughs> and uh i would kind of fly off the handle and stuff and and if there was the slightest bit of inconvenience i would get hugely frustrated about it um yeah. and that that again that's something that i've kind of noticed in the relationship with the stones as well because i can be working away with a stone and have kind of overlooked or not noticed some kind of fault line in them or some kind of like hairline fracture um, so I'll be sitting with this like quite well realized shape and be starting the polishing process 
for it only to like have a big lump of it just burst off or pop off you know what I mean mm. and I could cheat at that point and I could like get some stone glue and put it back on and you know what I mean but I take that as opportunity as well because it's just like it's deciding oh no that bit wasn't useful you know what I mean mm. that bit was that that bit needs to go on its own journey it's it's separate to me you know what I mean um so that again like you say that reciprocity that 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 kind of reflects to me as well it's like oh well what parts of me kind of need to go on their own journey and do I need to just let go of and how can I not see that as just some big gaping hole in myself or some big craggy edge and how can I might how might I include that craggy edge back into the kind of shape of myself and polish myself a bit more um, in that area this this to me is uh, why the the stonework is a kind of soul work is because it's giving you all of these uh, like rich images and language and metaphors uh, that you can then see your own life through and your your human relationships through. Like it's giving you that, uh, so it's giving you a kind of um, yeah, a whole language of of the soul. Which, which we all need, I think, you know, it's really helpful to have these kind of images, the, the breaking off, the splintering, the cragginess, like the, the slowness. I mean, soul wants to go slow, it wants time, and even your time away from actually doing the shaping with your hands, that's, that's time needed as well, like, because maybe something new wants to emerge. And so you have to have a kind of fallow period for something new to germinate. And I think especially appropriate after your break with your mentor, and which is probably some impulse in you wanting to find your own way. And um, it, like, if we follow the impulses of the soul, and we have the patience, and the humility to lay low for a while, or um, we we learn so much and uh we realize that the soul is always helping us out and uh trying to evolve or become more whole uh yeah it's incredible and the, and the stone it just seems like such a perfect medium for that because it requires all of these things the respect the humility the patience the watching listening all of that it's so good mm-hmm. And well, this is the thing as well. So in this follow up period as well, like you say, it's, 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 it has been really important because it's, it's given me enough time away from the actual doing of the thing to think about where I'm headed with it, how I can connect with it in new ways. Um, like you say, and that's kind of inspired me to kind of look at like, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, when I've been looking at when, when I kind of started reconnecting with my creativity and reaching back to that trip, that creativity from youth and childhood and all of the things that have came back to me is from there yeah. and being the mythology the, the, the fairy tales of storytelling the, the kind of folklore and whatnot um because that's the, that's the one thing in my childhood that was present as well as all the kind of match the, the machismo and all that kind of stuff that was present um my 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 mother and her mother um my memory of them at least is is quite witchy you know what i mean um in a good way and uh i was surrounded by all these like i i had all these like old books of like uh atlases of mythology from around the world and and all the rest of it you know what i mean one of my favorite books i ever got 
so this, I mean, I've, I've been heavily steeped from their influence as well in, in the works of Tolkien. So this is like my first uh, Tolkien collection I ever got. And uh, a book an uncle got me, which is one of my favorite books I ever got, which was The Night uh, of Tolkien. Hmm. And I was fascinated with that, that particular book because I could go in there and there was this whole world, but not just this whole world, but this explanation of the things within that world and the, the unwritten histories and things of them, which were from these other writings and whatnot. But um, so reconnecting with all that in this follow period, that's what I've been kind of kind of using this time as um, and kind of deepening into that. Um, and we mentioned earlier on in the beginning, so like uh, the naming of things is important. So like we, but we unbeknownly that we'd get onto that thread in the beginning of this, this video here or podcast there, we talked about my name in particular and whatnot. So, so kind of, I've been, I've been reaching back into there as well. And what is it, what is it in my name and what kind of other mm -hmm. particular things or, or kind of uh, signposts within my name or family names um, that, that might be, might bear fruit thinking and bear time, might stand time thinking about. Um, so reconnecting with all that and, and, um, so I, I mentioned Germanic Saxon, but we've got on my mother's side, we've got Norman heritage um, and um, an Anglo-Saxon heritage and, and whatnot. So, um, so kind of heavily of this of this area of this place, you know what I mean, the north and 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 whatnot. And so I've been connecting with all of that kind of tradition, the northern tradition and mythology and kind of all the Norse stories and Norse stuff and going back and looking at the creation mythology there. And uh, and that's kind of, that's bore fruit too, because um, not only is it giving me a bit of a deeper understanding of myself and, and whatnot, but uh, but it's related, it's came full circle and related back into my work. So if, if you take the Norse creation myth, um, the world was created by the constituent parts of this giant's body in here. And uh, all the all the stones, pebbles, and boulders and gravel in the world are his teeth. So, uh, yeah. and yeah. I and I have over the last couple of years, or, or last few years or whatever, in my sobriety, um, like many addicts, when they get sober, I've had a whole bloody thing with my teeth. You know what I mean? So it's uh -huh. kind of like it's given kind of connection there, relation there, and and it's given a vehicle to kind of process all of that within there. Um, Mm -hmm. So so yeah so so I've been reconnecting with all that and and I think that speaks to my interest in um, when I move into the new space exploring hand tool work and more more kind of really kind of intricate figurative detailed work because if you look at some of the kind of um, the kind of old Viking carving and, and Saxon carving and wood carving and, and whatnot um, mm -hmm. the kind of the detail and the and the kind of artwork and the intricacy and all of that is is fantastic so if i can somehow figure out a way of involving that too mm -hmm. my hope is that on some kind of um some kind of bone deep level you know what i mean i'll i'll kind of open up even more levels of relation and and connection and, and understanding and and whatnot yeah. so yeah that's such a big part of the healing process like if we can get through the trauma of our biography with our family of origin, if we can get through all the pain of that, 
we were able to reclaim the gifts of childhood. You know, we go through the pain of childhood to reclaim the gifts of childhood, which is this, you know, like we're, we're such a kinfolk here because yeah, uh, the love of fantasy and mythology and the other worlds and all of that was there for me too. And it's something that, you know, like the Patrick Rothfuss books, like coming back to stuff like that and going, God, I love this stuff. And, um, taking a break from all like the heavy psychological texts, you know, and just getting into fantasy and the imagination brings so much with it. And then even further, uh, this going back and exploring the ancestry, realizing that you have ancestors. It's not, you know, your line doesn't end with your parents. And then in that you might find some, um, yeah, some godparents in a way, like the spiritual kinfolk uh, that are, you know, maybe a few generations back, the ones that you actually feel like you belong to. You know, so many of us grow up and we go, I don't belong in this family. What the hell? How did I end up here with these people? I have nothing in common with them. And then two or three generations back, if you do the work, if you do the digging, you find, oh my God, I'm just like my great grandfather. We have the same interests and, you know, all of it. So, um, that yeah that to me is like the real healing work is uh it's like a reclamation project in a way you know first reclaiming the gold from our childhood and then reclaiming the the gifts of our ancestry you know and that connection mm. with the ancestors it's great mm. and I, I think um i mean on another level that connects us as well is uh is all of the uh, robert Bly and 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 the martin practel and and whatnot and mm-hmm. I've been uh, devouring all of the stuff you've been putting up on on YouTube from the oh, good the archive stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just to listen to those guys and how the, the advice that they have for that, especially Martin Prechtel, because he he gives quite practical advice and stuff, um, which I love. Um, so so yeah, developing those kinds of relationships and rituals and and kind of connection with with that with that uh, ancestry. Um, that's something I'm kind of, I'm quite new to, you know what I mean? I mean, only in the last year or year or two, really, have I started to look at that. Um, mm-hmm. And then like I see in this fallow period, more seriously start to look at that. Um, and someone who's been a fantastic help with that as well um, is a, a guy called Andreas Corneval, um, who is a kind of storyteller um, mm-hmm. amongst many other things. Um, and he's been kind of guiding us through the kind of poetic eddas and, and, and all of that stuff and, and kind of sharing a lot of that with us. Um, the symbols of runes have always fascinated us from experiencing them first from Tolkien as a, as a young kid as well. But the reason runes are the shape that they are is because they were used, they were carved into things like stone and wood using hand tools, you know what I mean? Right. It's like they had to be dictated by the end of the chisel. So you've got all these yeah straight lines and yeah, which, which I never knew. You know what I mean? So so there's kind of well until you try to carve like a, a C shape and you go ah no I'm going to make it more like a half a triangle or something right and you start to understand why the scripts looked the way they did yeah. But then also it's like um so so there's people like uh, other people that I know like um Jackson Crawford who works with the runes a lot but he works with them in quite an quite an academic way um, mm. and 
whereas people like Andreas and others um, work with them in a more in a, in a more kind of spiritual kind of sense, like mythopoetic way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so even just develop even developing that connection and understanding and learning about that in this follow up period has been really interesting because, like I say, I've got kind of direction now, the hand tools, things to carve, and um, mm-hmm. but then also learning how how things like that imagery of like symbol and whatnot and and i mean i have i have a kind of understanding of this from like the the storytelling traditions and and, and whatnot and the archetypal stuff um of of symbols being how we communicate with our own unconscious um but then coming at it from this new direction of 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 kind of connecting all three so not just the material that i'm working with but the stories and the myth and the archetypes with these actual symbols that you can combine in certain ways to then meditate with those symbols um, and start to actually be able to fully communicate with your unconscious. That's kind of quite new to me, but really, really exciting to me. And that's kind of where um, where I feel like I'm headed. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is why I wanted to talk to you is because you've, through intuition, through the guidance of a mentor, through your own seeking for healing, you found a, a complete soul practice that is like perfectly tailored to you, uh, that un, unbeknownst to you, when you started out working with these stones, you found out how to um, meditate, you know, uh, you found out uh <laughs> you know, learning things like patience. Um, it connected you to the environment, to the land that you're in. It uh, then connects you with a mythology that's nourishing for you, that feeds your soul. It connects you to your ancient ancestors. Uh, and I mean, what more could you ask for from a kind of spiritual or soul practice or, or therapy? I mean, this to me is like, how we find our unique medicine path is by following those those promptings and it's one step at a time we don't know we have no concept of where it's going to lead us that it's going to be this uh full and complete thing in our life it's like no i just need help right now and this next step seems like the one i need next thing you know it's like this whole thing it's got you connected to these deep tap roots of your your culture and uh lineage and i mean isn't it amazing it is. It is amazing. It's 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 incredible, and I'm and I'm like filled with gratitude when, especially to hear someone else reflect that back to me as well. Um, and I mean, it, and it's not without its pitfalls as well. There's been times where, because I don't want any, I, I don't, I wouldn't want anyone listening to this to just be like, well, I can just chug along with that, you know what I mean? And it'll all work out. Because uh, there's 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 kind of pitfalls where you will kind of be where I have been challenged with that as well because there's been especially sure. with the, the, kind of the splitting from my mentor as well there was all all the stuff that came off the back of that was like am i just copying here am i a plagiarist am i just kind of taking what what i was shown and, and, and <laughs> yeah it's perfect it? it's perfect those challenges are you need to go through those and you need to yeah, reckon yeah. with them and and figure out you know like is this really me following my my uh my creativity my soul my purpose or am i just mimicking this guy is it uh you know am i walking his path rather than my own 
and you got to have these kind of confrontations and, and, uh, and breakups and things. I mean, I had the same thing with my yoga mentor. It was like a big falling out and God, it was like, I had to recover from that, you know? Um, but in the recovery of that, I figured out what was really important to me you know, what my true lineage was and what my way of teaching was all about. And all of that stuff got worked out, but it's a long, slow process that requires a lot of courage and faith you know, that, that something else is guiding us along. And, and so, you know, when I'm talking about that, you know, how you find your way to this like full and complete, like soul nourishing practice uh, that connects you to all these different aspects of your life. To me, that's the best evidence that there's something else helping us along, you know, mm -hmm. a guardian angel, a guiding spirit, a diamond that's like, keeps nudging us down this particular path. And along the way, we're like, ah, this isn't for me. And like, you have to wrestle with all these different things. And, you know, it's like that hero's journey, you meet the mentor who initiates you into something. And, you know, you got to wrestle with the dragon at the bottom of the, <laughs> the cave yeah. and all of that yeah. stuff, right? Then, I mean, to bring a full circle, at some point, you come back and you start sharing, sharing some of those gifts that you've picked up along the way, you know, those little nuggets of insight and wisdom or the practical uh, skills that you've got. And then, you know, then you become the mentor, you know, as you start to share. And I think, you know, we talked about this before, but um, what a wonderful thing if you could start to use stonework as a, as a means for other guys who are in recovery, uh, helping them recover some soul and in finding a practice that sure it keeps their hands busy but also teaches them all this other stuff you know well this is the thing so so after, like like you say we mentioned this before and we've spoken about this before and and after the last time i did a lot of thinking about this as well and what that might look like and how that might come about and whatnot and i and i've thought like um like, like I say, I still, I've still got a lot, a lot of my own stuff to, to work with and work on, pursue and whatnot. But even if I can just plant that seed now, which kind of, I, mean, I think, saying it here will, will kind of give me some accountability. Um, but uh, yeah, I've thought about what, what that might look like, and I mean, I've, I've, we spoke last time as well. So I'm involved in not just kind of twelve-step stuff, but I'm involved in men's groups and men's work, um, and I'm currently kind of pursuing some uh volunteering with some outdoor alternative kind of learning and and whatnot for youth um and youth work because I, I, I feel like for me where i'm at in my life um if i can connect with and uh kind of be there for youth that are having trouble or, or going through a particular rough time of it uh similar to kind of what i did when i was younger um, that's that's kind of where my interest lies. Anyone my own age or older, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm sure you can find someone more more suitable than myself. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so I've been thinking about what that might look like, and I think just to offer to offer something like that, and and not not just with stone, but what well, if I strip it all back? If I strip it all really far, like really back to its its basic form of what the kind of simplest form it could look like. Um, what really interests me is helping people to connect with, you've said it a few times in, in kind of summarizing what we talked about, 
helping people connect with nature and the land and world um, in some way and developing that relationship enough, whether it's with finding clay on a riverbed or wherever or going out and finding driftwood or going out and finding stone. or Yeah, or making a little yeah. mandala out of leaves and flowers and stuff you find. Yeah, yeah. so it's about the observing, the being receptive to the land, yeah. So if, if I can help people connect with that and look and, and develop that relationship to a point that they, they can start to, to communicate with it themselves and then and then make art from it mm-hmm. um, and and learn how to talk about that art in a way that is um, of themselves and from themselves um, mm-hmm. and connect it with with themselves in a way that it helps them process things um that is kind of like i say it's just a, a seed of an idea at the minute and it's not fleshed out and it's not detailed and there's no plan there but uh but if i can do that in some way i'll feel like i've done some good you know what i mean yeah um, totally that, like I say, this is something that's that's that I've I've been in the right place at the right time, and that I've had just as much as I've rushed to meet it. It's rushed to meet me, so I've been given so much. So I feel at this point, it's only right for me to start thinking about how I can kind of gear that forward. You know what I mean, and how I can help other people connect with that. In because if it if it's worked for me, it'll work for others. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I I think you got the right instinct there, though, and I I think about that as uh, distilling the medicine. So it may not literally be about teaching someone how to work with stone, but like you said, like what at its like fundamental uh, level, what is the healing part of this? Okay, well, it's about connecting with nature in this kind of open, uh, receptive and um, reciprocal way, like not just taking to make the art, but having that conversation with uh, spirits of the land Uh, and then creative self-expression through working with the hands, kind of doing all of the psychological processing. Um, That's great. And then you can show them by example, well, this is how I do it, but stone may not be your medium. You may be someone who weaves reeds or makes flower arrangements or carves wood. I mean, there's so many things that you can do, but you can give them the the kind of distilled medicine of all those components that make it so healing and nourishing for the soul um that's wonderful i I just want to encourage you to step into that and find your way with that um i need someone to send young men to when the mothers call me up from northern england say i'm having so much trouble with my my young man he's angry and he's yelling at me and oh my god i don't know what to do with him his father's not around i say well send him to sean you know uh give him like a, a week in nature with sean and uh, he'll find something um and before we end i want to give you this uh because i was thinking about you working with the hands like stonework is soul work is probably the word i'm going to title this uh, episode because that just keeps popping into my mind um And we were talking about how in the recovery groups, there can be some kind of uh, rigidity around what that way of spiritual connecting looks like and prayer, meditation, and you finding this way working with your hands and stone may not be uh, 
they may not be open to that and maybe even frowning upon that as a, uh, you're not really doing it right or whatever. Okay. So the whole inspiration for the 12 step program was of course, Carl Jung writing this correspondence with Bill W back in the day. And uh, Carl Jung is the reason why that first step is uh, surrendering to a higher power, right? Because uh, Carl Jung saw that uh, our, our addiction to substances is us just kind of mixing up the levels. And what we're seeking is uh, spiritual experience, but we're, we're taking something on a material level that's actually supposed, we're supposed to be getting on a spiritual level. So there's this whole kind of mixing up of the levels. Uh, he said the helpful formula is uh, spiritus contra spiritum, which means spirit against spirit. So the way to battle addiction is to find a spiritual connection, and that's going to fulfill the thing that you're actually longing for in your life. Okay, so Carl Jung's our guy, the 12-stepper should be open to that because he was the whole inspiration for the 12 steps and the reason why we have the whole spiritual aspect in there to begin with. Now, what he said, he thought it was really important that we work with our hands. He said, often the hands will solve a mystery that the intellect has struggled with in vain. Mm. Mm. It's so true. It's, I mean, this is what we're talking about, right? There's something about you're, you're doing something with your hands, making something, and the mind is just kind of working shit out all on its own without us kind of interfering. You know, it opens us up to this natural healing process. And if we don't mess with the mind or the body, it tends to uh, do just fine without us and maybe even better, right? And so he's saying, you work with your hands and the mystery that the intellect has been struggling with will just solve itself. Yeah. I mean, come on. So yeah. I'll give you that one, you know, to, to, to take back to them and make a case for, you know, working with the hands as a, an alternative to sitting and meditating or praying the rosary or whatever. Yeah. I'll definitely be taking that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sent it like, over to I, you. I think I, I don't want to say that that's uh, all 12 step as well. That might just be the 12 step in my area. But, sure. uh, yeah. but another, so, so that was, that, that's a 12 step program that I've been involved in. I have recently, and I will speak to this because I, I think it's worth mentioning, um, so that 12-step was the, the one I'm involved in is AA, so Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and I think if you want to stop drinking, that's the place to go. Um, but uh, I've more recently connected with ACA, which is adult children. Uh, and the, the, the things that I found were the, the, the lack of depth that I was, find, that I was kind of struggling with in, in, in AA. I've found there. Um, there was things that I was trying to connect with and trying to talk about in AA, which I think is why I was coming up against those rigid attitudes. Um, but I've found that in ACA. Mm -hmm. um, that has been so me talking about as well, um, that reaching back and connecting with that childhood, that child in, in, in us. Um, I've, only, I've only been going to that more recently, but um, that's been an invaluable with that. So that's another avenue. Anyone listening to this, I would, I would kind of, if you want to connect with the inner child and whatnot, you don't know where to start. That might be worth looking at. Um, yeah, we're, yeah, I think it's important to mention. It's uh, so 
it's not just about the abstinence, the stopping the behavior part of it, but it's looking more at the the causes of it. Yeah, you know, from uh, childhood in the background, being a child of parents who had difficulties and limitations and addictions of their own, and seeing uh, what kind of effect that has on us as a child. Great. Yeah, I think it's a natural next step. It's like, okay, stop the behavior. Like, let's do the kind of emergency triage, like just stop it, or you're going to kill yourself or kill someone else, right? Something terrible. Stop it. Now let's figure out why. Let's not just get all rigid around the abstinence part. And so to me, that's the real deeper recovery work that needs to happen if we're going to be free of the addiction. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. And then to go even further, you know, it's like the healing the lineage stuff, right? Going back into the ancestry. and But that's the super deep work. Uh, great. Well, Sean, it's been uh, really wonderful talking to you, man. I'm glad we had this conversation. I think it'll be inspiring and helpful to other people. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks for having us. And uh, thanks for giving us the opportunity to do it again uh, after we lost the first one. Uh, I think we did better the second time. Yeah, yeah, it seems like we we stayed more on focus. Uh, like I say, the last time I was quite close to what was happening, so it was a bit yeah, right, on my end. But uh, but yeah, I'm pleased we got the chance to do it again. And uh, yeah, it'd be great to stay in touch and see where things go. And if I do, if that seed that I've planted does grow into a seedling, and I have more to talk about there, I'll uh, I'll let you know. Great, thanks. Take care, my friend. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider subscribing to the podcast on your favorite app. Share it with a friend or leave us a review. If you're interested in joining the conversation, head on over to the Medicine Path online community and School of Soul Studies at patreon.com forward slash medicine path. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields until we meet again on the medicine path.